All right, hey, and welcome. Both here and on the patio, big shout out. I love that we all get to be together. Um, I want to do a couple of prayer times with you, so I'd like you to lean in with me. Uh, the first one is because there's just a, it seems like an incredible number of people who have let us know they're hurting or struggling or facing challenges. Uh, one would be the Contreras family. Uh, John, um, who's the father, has gone to be with the Lord. And this is just a struggling time for them uh, dealing with that loss. Uh, we have, it seems like more than ever, people in the hospital, more than ever, people struggling with the, some similar losses to that or suffering. And so I think it's worth stopping and praying about that. Let's do that together. Father, I pray for um, the Contreras family. I uh, pray for other families that are struggling with the sense in this season of how they're going to deal with the loss of someone they care about and love. And Lord, I know there are other people, it's, it's sickness, it's hospitalization, it's, it's uh, so many other things that are hitting. And, and so God, for those who need that hope, who need that care right now, I pray God they would know you as the God of all comfort. And they would know your comfort in a way they don't miss. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, in the midst of saying that, life, and I don't mean this in a callous way, goes on. Uh, this week, for many, school is starting. For last week, many already started. And so we're in the midst of that time of the year where uh, we're starting back to school. By the way, I don't know about you, I'm praising God that the vast majority are doing in-person learning, uh, which I think is so needed. But uh, yeah, isn't that a praise? But we want to pray for all the educators who are a part of our church family, who've taken on a calling, who've chose to shine as a light in, in a setting where they help people take steps to being able to embrace a better future, being able to become aware of their purpose and identity. And so if you're an educator here today, we want to honor you and we want to pray for you. So all the educators, would you stand up right now? However you're a part of education, we want to honor you and pray for you. Yeah, yeah. And it really is a God-given calling I think you have to go and make a difference in a world like this. Let's pray over these incredible people right now. Father, I thank you for each person who's a part of educating people whether in the next generation or our generation and, and their understanding and opportunity to move their life in a different direction. I pray whatever area they're in, they would know, Lord, you're with them. You would anoint them. You would cause them to shine as a bright light in a world that needs to know your love and the place they are. And so we pray that this year you'd fill them with joy. This year you'd give them insight. This year, Lord, you'd give them wisdom. And I pray they would always be aware of the difference you're using them to make in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And praise God for you guys. Well, we're in a series on miracles, and uh, one of the things we're asking you to think about doing is uh, there was a card available to you when you came in today to think about a person that you would love 
to see, come to know Jesus or come back to Jesus. And then you fill out this card and it says, it would take a miracle to get blank here. And our goal is by September 26, that you would somehow have an opportunity to be a part of God using you to get them here. So we want you to take the card. Then after the service, come up to one of the baptistries, pray and drop it in. And then our prayer is that that will happen. Then we have people who are going to take those cards and pray over it. And then, by the way, if you choose to text MIRACLE to 77247, you'll get a notice every day at 1 o'clock to pray for one minute for your person. So I'm doing that right now. Pam's doing it. Our team's doing it. We've more than once been together and the text came and we stopped and prayed. But I'm also praying for you. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. I also want to give you a heads up on something that as you study with us on the weekend and as you study in our miracle journal, and by the way, you could get one of these even if you haven't started and dive right in. Just go to amazon.com and uh, search Chuck Boer. But there's three things that position you to be a person that will experience God in a miraculous way. And I want to lock these in your mind. Uh, when you study, you'll see it. In today's study, you see uh, one of them standing out in a big way. And so what is it? You need to be a person of faith, a person of conviction, and a person of obedience. Uh, today in, our, in your study in the journal, there's a woman, if she wasn't obedient to God's moving in her life and calling her life, she would have missed out on an incredible miracle. So we need to be a person of faith, conviction, and obedience. And when we are, we'll begin to experience the miraculous. And today we come to what I think is one of the most incredible miracles we're going to study in the whole series. I hope the whole series is good. But this one in particular. Um, this one, I was sitting in a meeting and so a very well-meaning person said, is it really a miracle when this happens? And I said, oh, for sure. Yeah, if you have this happen in your life, if you have this victorious moment take place, man, I know you'll call it a miracle. If you're the family member of someone who finds freedom in this area, you'll call it a miracle. And, and if it's a friend, you're going to say, yes, yes. And when that day comes and you hit that moment and God has moved with you and taken you to this place where you're with him in that, you are going to know that it genuinely, genuinely is a miracle. You see, Lee Strobel said something to me that I, I've been thinking a lot about. Lee said that the chaplain of the University of Southern California said this. He said, for the past 10 years, the number one thing students have been asking me is, what is the purpose of my life? But he said, now it's changed. Now when students come to me, they're asking why should I even live? Now, now think that through again. It used to be, do I have a purpose? Now it's, why should I even live? These are students who are, that's a, one of the most prestigious universities in the United States. These are students at a university that, that very wealthy people have cheated to get their kids in, right? Isn't that true? So they're in an elite place, an opportunity uh, for more than you can imagine, and none of that matters. None of it matters. They are at the height of heights, and they're asking, why should I even live? 
Naomi Osaka let us all know about her struggle. Clearly, she's one of the best tennis players in the world. Maybe one of the greatest tennis players to ever play the game. And she said, but I struggle going on. I'm not sure if I can be in the next, the next game, the next match. And, and you know what? It's because this thing called depression has got her. And she's telling everybody, I can't deal with the stress you keep putting on me. And, and yet she's so successful. By the way, she's so wealthy, even very popular. None of that matters when depression takes over. Simone Biles, I'm saying something you already knew I was going to say. Simone Biles wasn't able to continue on in the Olympics. She's clearly one of the most incredible gymnasts who've ever taken on gymnastics. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I think I'm right. Simone Biles at 50% of her ability would have won the gold in every event. She couldn't even muster up 50%. Because what she was dealing with is that real. And maybe get ready for this. What gets really scary, it's that pervasive. Whether it's affected you individually, I'm almost sure it's affected somebody in your family or friendship group. And and if it hasn't, I'm not saying this meanly, I don't think you know. Because I think it's there. We know today that depression is something that many, many people are struggling with. And the rate of depression, the depth of depression is coming at an alarming rate. According to the Center for Disease Control in 2019, 18.5% of our adult population is struggling with depression. We know from studies that 20% of teens will face depression that's significant in their life before they reach adulthood. We know that 30% of girls and 20% of boys, 6.0 million teens, right now have an anxiety disorder. Uh, we know something else that actually gets really, really concerning. A study I read said that the vast majority who struggle with this don't get help. So all those numbers I gave you were people who are getting help. So now we believe that in the United States and maybe worldwide, the depression and anxiety is five times higher than we think. Um, It's real. And you might be wondering, okay, then what is it? What is it? Well, let me give you the definition of depression that needs to be treated. It's the presence of sad, empty, or irritable mood accompanied by physical and cognitive changes that significantly affect an individual's capacity to function. That last part's the most important. It significantly affects your ability to function. Um, We all struggle with levels of depression, but it becomes one that needs to be treated when it actually affects your ability to function. And that's the group we're talking about. And that's the group that... God wants you to know he cares about. He cares about everybody. But sometimes you might wonder, does he care about you? If you're in the the midst of a long depression, then you need to know that God has a way for you to get help and wants you to. As a matter of fact, by definition, if depression that impairs your life is longer than two weeks, then then get, get help. 
Find a place of care. By the way, if you're a parent, hear that again. If it's gone longer than two weeks, don't just stand back thinking it'll get better. This is where we want the miracle moment from God to occur. And this is what I'm going to say. I think anybody who has struggled with depression when they have found freedom would call it a miracle. And I don't know about you, I would call it a miracle. Yeah. And, and we want you to experience that miracle. Uh, God, though, you don't miss this, reveals in his word that people of great faith struggle with depression. Sometimes we act like, well, maybe there's something wrong with you. What I want to tell you is that that idea of saying what's wrong with you isn't a good way to go. Or, or why don't you snap out of it doesn't even make sense. Anybody who struggled with depression is like, if I could snap out of it, I would. You know, throwing guilt on it, making it sound like there's something, you know, desperately wrong with you and the rest of us are okay that, that, that's not accurate, by the way. Like, I want to do a side thing. By the way, deep down inside, all of us are not okay in some way. Would you agree with that? And the ones of you who are going, no, that's not true. You're a narcissist, okay? So you really have a problem. People of great faith struggle with depression. Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle struggled with depression. He said this in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 6. But God who comforts the depressed, and it's really worth pausing on that before we read on. God does not condemn the depressed. God never condemns the depressed. If you're, if you're struggling with depression or ever have and, and, and a voice of condemnation came to you, let me just tell you, it wasn't God. God loves you too much especially in that moment of weakness, yeah. But God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus. By the way, I think it's so interesting what, about, what we just read because we're gonna get to it in a moment about Elijah and the miracle of him being freed from deep depression. But what it says is that God was able to bring comfort that ended up helping Paul in the midst of his depression uh, by having Titus come to him. By the way, I do want, and I want you to miss one other really important word in there. God, but the God who comforts the depressed, comforted, do you see the word us? Paul didn't say it was just me, it was a group of us who were in that moment. Us. More than one person facing it. And maybe that's a, a, an us you could be a part of and not feel guilty about being a part of, knowing that God wants to bring relief and care and love and help and comfort uh, that would get you to a better place. It says that not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he, comforted, uh, he was comforted in you as he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me so that I rejoiced even more. It was the coming of a friend that made the difference in the life of Paul and the other people who were struggling in that moment. Elijah's going to need the same thing. Uh, Elijah, the Bible tells us, was a, the, one of the greatest prophets who lived, but he was just like you and me. He was human. By the way, don't miss that. The Bible tells us that Elijah was just like you and me. James 5.17 says this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was just like you and me, but he became depressed. And interestingly, he became depressed 
right as he was at the moment of his greatest success, which tells you about Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles and, and, and by the way, other, other people who've reached the highest success and yet they found depression was where they were. It didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to any of us, but it can happen to all of us. Let me say that again. It can happen to all of us. So Elijah has just stood against the, the prophets of Baal. Elijah has just moved the nation back towards the faith in God. He sparked one of the great revivals of all times. Elijah in that moment could not have been more successful, could not have accomplished more uh, than he ever thought he could accomplish. And he becomes very depressed. Uh, in 1 Kings 19, we're told about it. It says in 1 Kings 19, verse 1, Now Ahab, who was the king, told Jezebel, his wife, who's one of the most wicked women who've ever lived, that all that Elijah had done, how he had killed the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel, notice these next words, sent a message to Elijah, saying, So may God... May the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, she said, I'm going to kill you. By the way, Elijah was powerful enough to withstand her. But the note got to him. I think you can't go past that too quickly. Um, we would call that today bullying. But I want to say it's so intriguing to me, for me, and not just you, but for me, but also for you, how, how that note, that text, that post, that email can wreck us. I remember a junior high girl that was being bullied. I mean, bullied severely. Matter of fact, I, as I kind of stand here thinking about it, I didn't think about this last hour. One of her great joys was to start school and get a locker. Does anybody know what that, you know? But shortly into school, she opened her locker and there's a note in there saying, nobody wants you here. And that locker that was so joyous to her now was a place that had been violated and a bully had stepped in. I, again, I want to pause. If you're a parent and that starts to happen, step in with your kids. It's, it's vile. And today it goes to a whole new level with social media. There was a man not very long ago recently in our area who uh, went to the bridge over the freeway at Cahalco threatening to jump. And the police worked and worked to save him. Traffic was a mess. I, I got caught in it. But on a message board here in Corona, someone put something about the man who wanted to jump and it was lit up. I read it. Lit up with people from our area saying he should have jumped. He doesn't deserve to. And they would just attack. I'm not going to say it all. Because if he happens to be watching, I am so sorry that was said. By the way, the likelihood of him seeing it That bothers me. Does it bother you? Yeah. And, and, and you know what is, is those words hurt. Those words harm. Elijah's powerful and it takes him down. 
Um, I remember one time, uh, my grandkids were out and we were going to Disneyland together to celebrate uh, Tatum's birthday. She had asked to go to Goofy's Kitchen. Anybody go to Goofy's Kitchen? Man, we're so excited. We're walking towards it. She's running ahead. Everybody's on cloud nine. And I made the mistake of picking up my phone and glancing at it. And there was an email, not written to me, but to the elders, but I was copied on it, attacking me. And I read too much. And I'll never forget, I I had to get away from Pam and my grandkids and everybody else to go sit down and read it. And then I read it again. And I thought, God, I can't let this determine my day. But I'm I'm not strong enough. Maybe you are better than me in that. I'm gonna get honest, it hurts. By the way, I feel like thousands of you love me, but that one, that one. And I had to try to get my head back where it's supposed to be. My granddaughter needed better. But it hurts everybody. And I think we've got to understand that that's what happened to Elijah. And he wasn't so big that he couldn't be taken down. And then what happened in 1 Kings 19 verse 3, it says this. And he was afraid. Now, now again, don't go by that one too quickly. He now is in the midst of battling anxiety that is taking over. Uh, some of you, that, that, that's your your battle. That's your struggle. And by the way, please know this. God could not love you more than he does. But there's times that you start feeling it come and you're not sure what to do about it. Again, don't, don't walk around with the focus on what's wrong with me. There's lots of other people who are dealing with that too. You know what that makes you? It just makes you human. It makes you worth loving. It makes you Somebody that other people get an opportunity, hopefully, to come around and support you and help you. Because God wants to. It it says he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Now, what is he doing? He's going to a desolate place, isolating himself. This is the opposite of what he needs. And he's going to enter, enter into what we call a depression cycle, where what happens is you become depressed and you do something that makes you more depressed. And then that depression goes deeper. So now you do something else that makes you more depressed or continue the pattern. And we got to break the cycle. And the reason I'm pointing that out is God's going to do that. But he's alone. He's in a desolate place. And then we see the depth of his depression in 1 Kings 19, verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life. For I'm not better than my father's. By the way, Elijah really knew that God could take his life. He wasn't just saying that, he knew it. He said, I don't want to live anymore. He, he's like the sitting in front of the chaplain at USC saying, why should I even live? But he's actually gone deeper. I don't want to live. I don't want to go on. I don't want to be in this world anymore. And uh, Elijah needs help. His depression has reached one of the greatest levels it could reach. 
So God, this is what I don't want you to miss. God brings a prescription for his depression that will do the miracle of freeing him from it. Uh, I want to just say this so clearly. Please don't miss this. This is not going to be instantaneous. I believe God can, in an instantaneous moment, heal someone of depression. But I want to tell you, in all my years of ministry, I have very seldom seen that occur. But I have seen people find freedom and healing that becomes real for them. But in the vast, in every case, actually, I'm going to say for that I've experienced, it's been a process. Which means, by the way, if you're trying to help somebody in your family or a friend, then you know what they need? They need you to be with them for the long haul. Uh, by the way, if that's you, let me tell you this. I know it can happen. But, but don't give up. Don't give up. Hang in there. Please hang in there. Don't give up. And for Elijah, God is going to take him on a process. Number one, what does God do? Number one, God had Elijah get the right amount of rest and nutrition. I think it's so interesting that's where God starts because that's what we know today is the best thing to do. When I'm with someone who's depressed, I ask about how they're sleeping. And then I begin to ask about how they're eating. And if they say, well, I'm having Doritos and Cheetos, I say, well, let's start working on salad, uh, you know, and get that in there. So what happens in 1 Kings 19, verse 5, it says, he, Elijah, lay down and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him. And he said, arise, eat. Then he looked and behold, there was at his head bread, a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel came to him again a second time, touched him and said, arise, eat, because the journey is, the journey is too great for you. By the way, I don't miss all that too. What he did, he had him sleep, but he had him sleep what? The right amount. Because too much sleep can be bad. Does everybody know that? Not enough sleep can be bad. It's got to be the right amount of sleep. And then he had him have nutritious but good tasting food. Hot bread. I don't know if any of you goes, oh, that is good. Yeah. By the way, hot bread's biblical. Okay. So he has him have something nutritious. But the idea is he's got to get sleep and he's got to get good food so he can get a better perspective. And that is the best place to start. And the miracle now is on its way. Then number two, God changed Elijah's environment and perspective. Uh, I, I don't miss the power of what God did in this moment. He's going to change his environment and change his perspective. Because when I'm trying to help somebody who's in the midst of depression, I want to know, are you in a depressive environment? And if so, how can we at least get you away from that for periods of time, if not clearly a complete move. So it says this in 1 Kings 19 verse 8. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. So now again, you could tell how long this is going. We know now it's a 40 day process that God is taking him through. At least it's going to go beyond that. But he takes him from the deserted, desolate place to the mountain. Did you catch that? Uh, which I think is so cool. I don't know. How many of you are like me that when you're up in the mountains, you just feel God more? Anybody else? Yeah, I, I, I do. And if, you know, and a lot of us do. So what happened is he said, all right, I got to take you to a better place. And so God 
God's taking him on a process. So the second thing he does, change his perspective by getting him a place where he can see out further. Number three, God asked Elijah kind and caring questions. I think this is really important. Well, actually, it's all important. God asked him kind and caring questions to make him think about how he got to the place he is and to this point. And, and I don't want you to miss this is really God being kind and really be God being caring. First Kings 19 verse 9. Then he came to, the cave, to a cave. I'm sorry. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. Now, uh, I'm going st- to keep doing this. I'm going to stop. God wanted him on the mountain. Where did Elijah go? In a cave. Do you see that being a problem? Uh, and, and it just shows you, again, how hard it was for Elijah. God wanted him on the mountaintop. God wanted him in the air. God wanted him looking out. But he went inside the cave. And God said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He didn't say, what's wrong with you? He didn't say, why are you in this? Why don't you just get over it? He said, hey, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, and the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek to take my uh, life to take it away. By the way, it's so interesting to me as I see what's going on here, the dynamics of it, because he said, I alone am left, which isn't true, and they... These are his friends. See, there was one woman trying to kill him. Where's the they? The they is in his mind. The they is taking over his perspective. They. They're seeking to take away my life. He's not in a good place. And so God now has to move him to a better place. God has to show him something different. God has to do what we call cognitive restructuring. Change how he's thinking. Because Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So very often, in a kind and caring way, we have to get with people who are in this this battle and say, okay, let's get you to see things differently. Let's get you to think differently because if we can change the way you think, we can change the way you act and we can change the way you feel. And and by the way, that, that is the best process of healing. Uh, you need Elijah to take those thoughts captive. Uh, second Corinthians 10 says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive. Now notice to what? To the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is complete. Notice what's going on, according to Paul, is that very often when someone's struggling like an Elijah, we got to take every single thought captive that's negative and wrong. Every thought captive that's destructive. Every thought captive that's pessimistic rather than optimistic. And then we need to call the person to journey with us to a place of obedience in Christ. Remember, obedience is one of the keys to experiencing miracles. And so that's what's going to happen for Elijah. And in 1 Kings 19.11, it says that God said, 
Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. In other words, come on, get out of the cave. I got to get you out of the cave. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, uh, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. That's where God was. See, sometimes we have to help people get to a place where they can hear the whisper of God. Not the, the, the fire that's raging against them. Not things that are shaking them up over and over. It's like, I, I got to get you to sit and, and hear the voice of God. And, but that's not in the cave, Elijah. It's out on the mountaintop. And, and God wants them to hear this whisper. And then God begins to, to talk to him. It says in verse 13, and when Elijah heard it, heard the whisper of God, he wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. He's out where God wants him to be. And behold, there came a voice to him that said, what are you doing? What are you doing here, Elijah? God begins to work with him, not attack him in comfort and in care and trying to, to get him to think about what are you doing? What are you saying? And then it says in verse 13, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And then he said, Elijah said, I, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant and torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left and they seek my life to take it away. Did you notice Elijah gave the exact same answer? God has to move him to a better place. And God begins to do that. Now Elijah's ready. And the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you have arrived, you shall anoint Haziel king over Aaron and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel and Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel, Mihaloi, you shall anoint as a prophet in your place. Now, now I, I want to take that down a little bit. God said, okay, what I need you to do is I need you to take on a mission. Probably not going to be easy for Elijah to do. I need you to now go and focus on something other than yourself. Prior to that, it was I alone on the left. I am the only one faithful. I, and he said, no, 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 I need you to go. I need you to do important things. I need you to do things for other people. I need you to help two men find their calling. And I need you to have a friend in Elisha that you're going to begin to pour your life into so that one day he could be a great prophet like you are. I need you to not focus on yourself now. I need you to focus on others. When I'm trying to help someone get to that place who's struggling with depression, that is not an easy place to get them to, but it's the best place to get them to. And, and by the way, we know that's true. Uh, don't look at, what's, at yourself. Go and try to help somebody else. Go be there for somebody else and find out what that does inside you. By the way, uh, uh, Crossroads today, I would like all of us to do that. All of us to determine we're going to, in either a small way or another way, be a part of making a difference in someone else's life. Uh, it, twice a year, we do something called Boldly Bless. 
Uh, that's where we ask you to give $1 more than you normally give. And then we trust you to do that. Uh, we ask you to do it per person and we trust you to do it. And then we go change someone else's life so we can do that together. And uh, I would like us all to do that right now in a, very, a little bit different way. By the way, if you're struggling with that feeling of despair or depression, this will be good for you. If you're not, hey, it's always good to help other people. Would you agree? So there are two families right now who have had evil enacted against them in a way that's broken many of their family members. Um, Anthony and Riley went to the movie theater here at Cahalco, and most of you know, if not all of you know, they were tragically killed, murdered, young. They're young. They had their lives ahead of them. Riley was going to go to Grand Canyon University, and Anthony was finding a, a way to really see things happen in his life. And the Barajas family and the Goodrich family right now are struggling with the loss of two of their, of their children. And they weren't ready for this. Nobody prepares for that. So what I'd love for you to do is this. I'm going to ask you, whether you're here or online on the patio, to commit this week, sometime this week, to give $2 more, not one more, $2 more per person. And we're going to make a significant difference in paying for all the funeral expenses that they have. Yeah. And I believe it will help. You know why? They're going to know there's a church family that cares enough for them to say, we're not just with you. We are really with you. And we can make a significant difference in something like this. Uh, by the way, how are we going to do that? We're just going to trust you'll do it. We'll take our attendance, believing you do it, and, and we're just going to do it. So uh, today, I would never ask you to do something I haven't done. I got up this morning and prayed and I'll be honest, I just want to tell you, maybe this will some of you. I felt that God told me to give a little bit extra. Um, so if you can't give it, then guess what? I got you covered. You're still in on it. But $2 more a person, let's do that. You can text GIVE to 77247 and we'll help you. Uh, you can drop it in the box on your way out. But I want us to be a church family that knows the incredible blessing of, of helping other people caring for other people. By the way, whenever we do that, there's no small thing in the eyes of God. It always matters. But if you're someone today who's struggling, this is bigger than you may know. That you would do that and you would know someone else's life is better because of you. That's what Elijah needed to do. That's what God wanted for him. And so God said, I need you to be a part of that, Elijah. I want you to go and anoint someone else to be a king. I want you to help someone else find their place and purpose in, in, in finding their life calling. I want you to get a friend next to you named Elisha and do that. And then God said something else to him. And he said, but not only that, God said, Elijah, you don't seem to see it, but seven thousand other people are faithful to me because of your ministry by the way you think you're alone you've got a family a faith community of 7,000 people and you know what I want to tell you this I, my dream and I believe I, I hope you share it God's, God's plan, God's will is that Crossroads be a family 
a genuine family. We want to be family together. So if somebody ever asked you, how big's your family? Right now you can go 11,700 and growing. Yeah, yeah. And it matters. By the way, it mattered to Elijah. He had a family. You need a faith community. If you're struggling with this or you one day start to struggle or you have a friend or a family member, you want them to become not just a person who attends. You want them to become a part of the family. We need to be a family together. But today you may need a special touch from God because of depression, anxiety, or by the way, let's, let's say this. You might come here today and God's saying, I want, I want your life to be better. I want your life to change. I want you to experience more. And that might be you today. Maybe your marriage needs to be better. Maybe you need to know your purpose. Maybe you are wondering, should I even, why should I live? Well, I'll tell you, God wants you to live, but not just live, live a life that's abundant. So God wants that for you. And so the way you enter into what God wants is you need to pray a prayer of commitment and take a step of faith. So right now I'm gonna lead a prayer of commitment. And if you're ready to say yes to God, I'm gonna ask you to pray it with me. Now, by the way, let me just make sure you always know this. Whenever we start to talk about this time, if you love the Lord, I'm gonna ask you, please join me by praying for people. It's a... Pray for people to be a part of this. Pray for people to take their step. Let's do that together as a family. Let's care that much. And today, if that's you, we care that much for you. That we would want to stop right now and say that. Say, pray this prayer. And, and, and as I lead you in it, just make it yours. And then after you pray the prayer, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to make it even deeper and more real by taking a step of faith. So we'll pray the prayer. And after we pray the prayer, if you pray it, we're going to ask everybody to stand and sing. And if you prayed that prayer, or if you just feel God stirring, sometimes God just starts moving. We're going to ask you to make your way to an aisle. Even this aisle, you can come down and around. We want you to make your way to an aisle and walk forward. Let us greet you and head in that room. Something happens when you take that step of faith. Something happens that makes it go deeper and more real. So I'm going to ask you to do that. I'm going to ask you, you could grab someone's hand and say, come with me. But you matter to God. And what you do right now matters to us. Let's pray. My Abba Father, I pray right now for anybody who needs to open their heart to you. Commit your life, their lives to you and know how much you love them, Lord. I pray for that. I pray they would feel your stirring. I pray, God, they would know they matter. I pray maybe it's a whisper like Elijah had. Is God talking to you? I think somebody is. I, I really do. I, I think not just one, there's more than one, but you know what? I think there's one of you going that, no, it is me. You're thinking that right now. This is me. God loves you. Oh, he loves you. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. And I pray you'll free me 
from anything or anyone that's holding me down and holding me back. But most of all, say most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. And I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes. Those are the only words you can say. Just say it. I say yes. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. Wow. Praise God. What a message today by Pastor Chuck. And praise God if you made a decision today to give your life to Christ. That's so cool. Best decision you'll ever make. Now, if you did that, please text the word amen to 77247 so that we can walk alongside you, give you some next steps. We're not going to come to your, your door or bother you or anything like that. We just want to make sure that you're not doing alone. So text amen to 77247. Yes, yeah, so if the message resonated with you, please drop that in the comments. Our team look at every single one that come in. That's right, and if this message resonated with you, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the upcoming messages. Like Pastor Chuck said, we're always posting content on Wednesdays and on Sundays to make sure that you guys are led closer to Jesus. So hit subscribe and join us every week after this. Yes, we are live on Wednesdays at seven and on Sundays at 9 a.m. online. Um, and we don't want you to miss out on that. That's right, Crossroads, we've loved being here with you today. Have a good day, have a good week, and we'll see you this Wednesday at 7 p.m. online and next Sunday at 9 a.m. See you guys later.